0: This is Living Faith, the podcast ministry of First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. We are located at 100 North Lake Avenue. Our Sunday morning services start at 1045 a.m. Sunday school is at 930 a.m. You can find out more information about First Baptist Church at fbcap.net. If you're listening to our current Sunday morning series, Who Are We? I love being able to come and to worship uh, as we open up the Word of God and sing songs of the faith and encourage our heart greatly. Take your Bible, if you will, and turn to the book of Acts. We'll get back to Acts in just a moment. I'm going to be reading some passages from the the book of Acts. If you're visiting with us and uh, new to us, we have been going through for the last several weeks a a sermon series that is, is ongoing, and it simply is this. Who are we? And the idea was, several, several weeks ago, just to be able to lay a foundation of who we were uh, from a Baptist standpoint, but also from an educational standpoint, who we are as Southern Baptists. And so we have looked at the last several weeks, uh, you could say, the the doctrinal statements and key words that understand who we are as Baptists. A little refresher. I know you know these. You could stand up and recite them, right? Everybody. Nobody makes eye contact when you say something like that. We believe the Bible is our authority. That's what it means to be... Baptists, historically a, a Baptist church, we believe the Bible is our authority. We believe in believers' baptism. That was the, the how Baptist came around is that many years ago that that you're baptized after you make a profession of faith, not as a child or before. It's not a seal, it's not a sign. It's a symbol of what is taking place as someone has come to know Christ. That's where we got our name, Baptist that We believe in believer's baptism. We believe in a priesthood of believers. We believe in soul competency. We believe in salvation by grace through faith. Last week was really one of the major things that does separate us from other types of churches uh, and what other churches believe. Historically, a a Baptist church believes that once you have truly given your life to Christ, that you are eternally secure in that relationship. I've heard people call it... uh, I don't like to say it this way, once saved, always saved, eternal security, uh, perseverance of the saints... And the idea is that once you generally have professed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you remember from last week's message, and even if you were not here last week, we do provide all of our messages online. You can go to our website and hear Sunday morning and Sunday night messages. And the idea is that once you've given your life to Christ, you don't have to worry about losing your salvation, uh, but you know that you are secure in Christ and that you will persevere to the end. And that is a sign of our salvation, that we have finished faithful To the Lord over the next couple of weeks it's it's not more practical but it is kind of uh, laying the foundation of what separates us as Baptists and Southern Baptists from other types of churches and so today I want us to look at this who are we we are an autonomous body how many of you have used the word autonomous somewhere this week in a sentence Well, I provided some information in your bulletin. You can look at that, and it kind of defines that. The word autonomous basically means this, that we are self-governing. Now, a lot of times when you're out and about as a pastor, sometimes you walk around and you feel like you've got like pastor tattooed on your forehead, and people come to you with all their theological questions or their things that they disagree with. And sometimes when it's known that I'm not only a pastor, but I'm a Southern Baptist pastor, and a lot of times people come to me and say, well, I don't believe in denominations. Denominations are this, and denominations are that, and, you know, you shouldn't belong to a denomination because somebody's telling you what to do, and this, that, or the other. And so it usually enters into a dialogue of what a denomination is and who we are, Southern Baptist. And so here's a great message I think you'll understand today. What does it mean to be autonomous? To be autonomous means that we are self-governing and that we as a church are free to act and to live as we see led by the Spirit and the Word of God. Yes, we are part of the Southern Baptist Convention, but that relationship with our denomination, which is different than others, the relationship with the Southern Baptist Convention is voluntarily and freely and is based upon our direction and our motive and our desires. We don't have a, 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 a pope or a, a bishop over, you know, we, we make light of Anybody remember... Uh, Adrian Rogers at at Bellevue Baptist in Memphis, phenomenal pastor for many, many years. He was considered the Pope of the Southern Baptist Convention. It was kind of a joke, uh, but he was just such a phenomenal leader and represented our convention so well. We don't have an outside authority or an outside presence that dictates what we do. We as a denomination, we as a church, we as particularly as First Baptist Church uh, and what it means to be part of our denomination, we affirm the Baptist faith and message. When I was working with the North American Mission Board and dealing with church planters and somebody could call me up and say, Hey, I'm looking to plant a church in Minnesota. What do I need to do to be a, a Southern Baptist? Well, I would spend time with them and discuss with them what it means. One, you have to affirm the Baptist faith and message. It's kind of like joining the church. We want everybody to feel welcome and to, to know that they're part of our church and they can be part of our church. But at the same time, we are a Baptist church. And so we, we ask people when they want to join our church that they understand that we are Baptists. Now, we're not saying that we go in and if you grew up Methodist, that we, we put you into some brainwashing chamber and you forget all who John Wesley was and all your good Methodist stuff and now you become a Baptist robot. No, we don't do that. We just simply want you to understand that we are Baptist and we're going to be Baptist. We talk Baptists. We eat Baptists. Of course, Methodists like eating too. We, we, we're a Baptist church, we believe Baptist doctrine, we believe Baptist missions, we're, we're not Methodist, we're not Presbyterian, we're not Assembly of God, we're not Lutheran, we're not any of these things that we're Baptists, and we're proud to be Baptists. And so does it doesn't mean that you have to, to uh, you, know, you have to forget who you were, we just ask people to understand, but this is who we are. And so we affirm the Baptist faith and message. That's the first step to becoming a Southern Baptist church. Secondly, you identify with uh, an association in the churches in your area. You understand that being a Southern Baptist is not about being alone. Being Southern Baptist is about cooperating together. We're going to look at that next week and the power of doing things together. Doing things together we can never do alone. We're not going to be able to reach this world alone. We're going to have to join arms and do it together. And so it's about being part of something bigger than yourself. And that you realize that. We have no outside influence. Tonight I want to encourage you to come for our business meeting. I like to call it our ministry meetings. We're going to be presenting our budget. We're going to be presenting several recommendations from different committees that I'm very excited about. Uh, And so I want to encourage you to come back to that. Uh, our, our money, how we spend our money, we decide. We have a budget committee, a finance committee. We look at that. We pray about it. We vote on it as a congregation. We have no one from the outside that tells us, if you're going to be Southern Baptist, this is how much you need to give to be Southern Baptist. No, everything we do, we do voluntarily. and We do freely. And we cooperate one with another with our giving. What it means to be autonomous and be part of of the southern baptist convention is that we allow the word of god and the spirit of god to be our guide you know just this week you know uh we get a a a, a great question that i think it came through sharon this time and one of her dear friends asked a question about why this church does something a little different and we do something a little different that's the nature of being a southern baptist church uh, I was watching a, a Southern Baptist church online and it's a great church and it's winning many people to the Lord and they don't have a choir anymore. Uh, they don't have a pulpit. They have a podium and they they have, uh, they don't, it didn't look as traditional, I guess you could say. And, and they were, uh, they were just doing things a lot differently. Preacher had on blue jeans. Now I don't say that I won't wear blue jeans, but I'm just saying, Preacher had on blue jeans. I think he had his shirt untucked and had his hair all spiky. And he was like, Fifty something. He was old for that, right? They're winning people for the Lord. And their church is growing. And they've got a great impact. And that church could look at our church and go, Oh, their pastor has on a blazer. And they have a pulpit. Oh, and they have a choir. Well, that's that's fine, I tell you, that's great. We do we do well, y'all do what you do well, and we're all do it, do it well when we get to heaven. You know, some churches do things differently. Uh, we've got the word of God and the spirit of God as our guide and we know what the word of God says and and, and we we sit down as a church and say this is how we we stand on scripture and this is the way that we're going to do church and we can't worry about what everybody else is doing, we just know we need to do what we're doing. That's what makes Southern Baptist great. You can go to a Southern Baptist church here and be completely different than a Southern Baptist church there. Now if they're a good Southern Baptist church and they're a good Baptist church, you're going to hear good doctrine, good preaching there, but there may be some differences there. Some people are very uncomfortable with that. Some people want to be part of a denomination or a church, what I call it, and I'm not saying it in a negative way. It's kind of got that cookie-cutter mentality that, that when you go to this church, it's going to be just like that church. And some people are a lot comfortable with that because they know what they're going to get no matter where they live. Southern Baptists are not that way. The Southern Baptist Convention is not going to make a statement and, and dictate what is going on unless Scripture has made that statement for them. And if Scripture makes that statement, then that is a statement. But when it comes to worship and structure and things, it is up to every individual church. I wrote this down as kind of one of these off the top of my head statements that I made this week. Here's my understanding of what it means to be an autonomous church. We are a self-governed church that depends on the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to direct and to lead us as we seek to function as a New Testament church. So we're autonomous. We're on our own. We allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Those have to go together. You know, sometimes people say, well, the Spirit has told me. Well, where would that Spirit come from? The Bible says to test the spirits. And we test the spirits according to the Word of God. So we allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to direct and lead us as we seek to function as a New Testament church so that we can change our city and the world with the power of the gospel. Here's the key. As each one believes in and lives out the Great Commission. See, what makes an autonomous church a great church is that we are the church. And each individual, every one of us are a part of something very special and something unique as we live out the Great Commission. Turn, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. And you've got descriptive verses on there, Acts chapter two, verse forty-two through forty-seven. And you may be asking ourselves, what does a a church that's really making a difference look like? Because I really believe this. If we get real honest, if churches would be honest, I think we realize when and when we are not making a difference. We can gather, we can sing. We can listen, we can sit, we can give, we can do. But are we making a difference? I think if we're honest, a church should be able to realize my life is making a difference, our church's life is making a difference. And because we're an autonomous body and there's no outside leadership or direction, we begin to ask ourselves, well, if we're not making a difference, if we're not who we think we need to be, where do we go to figure this out? There's no outside thing. There's no outside direction. It's, It's up to us. Remember that definition? The Spirit of God and the Word of God. As simple as it sounds, I believe... The Word of God is our guide. And when we think about our church, I think we turn to the book of Acts, and we ask ourselves, what did they do? How did they do it? Why did they do it? Because if you think about the church of Acts, I, I spent some time with our young people today with Sunday school at our youth and college. We live in a world today that is a lot different than it was 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Amen. But do you know how different this world was? I use this as an example. I can remember, oh, and I'm making light of it, but it's it's serious and it's true. Oh, we took prayer out of schools. Oh, what are we going to do? We can't pray in schools anymore. They didn't pray in schools. Oh, what are we going to do as a church? We cannot put the Ten Commandments on the courthouse square anymore. They didn't put the Ten Commandments on the church house square anymore. Oh, you better be careful how you talk about it. Oh, you, you better be careful. Don't If you put your Bible on your desk at work, somebody may say something. Yeah, they were cutting off each other's body parts back then when they said something. Have you thought about that? They were burning people and killing people. The only disciple that lived a, until he died natural causes was the, uh, the Apostle John. Every one of the disciples died a martyr death for being a Christian. We've got it a lot better than they have it. But they made a difference. And I'm going to say this, and I'm not, this isn't a glass half empty. This is a glass half full message. I'm not so sure the church in America is making the difference it needs to be making. Amen? I ask our our young people, so y'all think young people don't know what's going on. They do know what's going on. I ask our young people, how do we feel about the political climate? Oh! You got this person, you got that person. Oh! Isn't that discouraging to think about? And then I just simply ask our young people, we're the one that narrowed them down to two choices. If you just watch the ads that each party puts on the other, that gives us a great spiritual climate where we are as a country. Those were the two choices America came up with. That's on us. America has spoken. We ought to just give the invitation right now, shouldn't we? I don't say that to be discouraging. I say that to be exciting. We have got a great mission field. Man, I can't think of a better place to be than in America to share the gospel. We're an autonomous church, a self-governing church where we're free to do whatever we need to do, led by the Spirit and the Word of God and the body of Christ to go and and make a difference. And yet, for some reason, we forget we can go make a difference. Look at Acts. Turn, if you will, to first. I'm going to read these kind of fairly quickly and then talk about them. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 47. And they... They means people, individuals, people occupying a seat in the worship service. People's name that are on a a church roll in an uh, autonomous church. We matter. We count. They, us. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon Every soul every individual, every soul, every person, everyone that had given their life to Christ, everyone that identified with the church of Acts, everyone that was part of making a difference in the world they lived in, every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and they had all things in common. You begin to see the picture of the church in Acts that people matter. We are part of something. Individually we make something that we can never make up without individuals. We all matter. We're all part of the body of Christ. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all that had need. Now, you do remember that what had taken place is the Holy Spirit had come upon the church and the people had come to to, uh, Jerusalem during the, the celebration of Pentecost. Well, then the Spirit came down. And so the best way to explain that is everybody had come down for a religious gathering and revival broke out. Nobody wanted to go home. It'd be like going on vacation and you stayed an extra two or three months, but you didn't have the money to stay. So you, you can imagine the Holy Spirit comes upon these folks. They get saved. They don't want to leave. They're sitting around. The church is getting formed. They're gathering in First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. The only way they could take care of one another, they got to pool all their resources. Isn't that a great picture of an early church? And day by day, attending the temple together. Now, First day of the week, last day of the week, when you've got time, when it fits in, when we're not busy. Is that what it says? Day by day, they receive their food and gladness and generous hearts. Up. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking food in their homes. You see the the personal dynamics is what's going on? Yes, there was a church body, but the body was the people. It's more than just a building. It's personal. It's real. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. And they were praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number, those who were being saved. But they went in a tough place. They would have remembered the crucifixion. They would have remembered Christ's death. They would have remembered all these things. It would have been vivid on their mind that Christ had died. They didn't have Snapchat or YouTube, but they would have remembered that. But they didn't care. They had met Christ. And their life changed. And here's the key. The Lord added to their numbers daily. I'll share this. I'll say this and you turn to Acts chapter 6 verses 1 and 7. Every time in the 20 years I've pastored, every time I have been part of a church that the church gets serious about being the church, the Lord adds to their numbers. And this is what I mean by that. The Lord adds in a way that I didn't see the Lord working. The Lord will add in a way where people come to know the Lord that nobody really even knew. That makes sense. You know, I you know I've, I've been working on, I've been working on a friend. That friend finally came. And they came to know the Lord. That's great and exciting. We've been praying for that person forever. Here's what I mean by that. I think when a church gets serious about what it wants to do and who it's trying to follow and who it's trying to please, you will see people come and know the Lord that some of us haven't even been praying for. You'll have people walk in off the street and they'll come in here and sit down amongst us and you'll ask them, well, how did you hear about our church? I was just riding down the road and when I saw the steeple, something inside of me said come in. That makes us a little nervous sometimes, doesn't it? It doesn't make me nervous at all because I bet I've heard it 20 times in my ministry. I just showed up because I remember a coworker talking about this church somewhere. I just showed up because I sat in baccalaureate one year and I heard something. All I knew was this church. The Lord is wanting to grow His church. And I'll step out on limb and say this. He's just trying to find a church to put Him in. And when a church gets serious about being the church, the Lord will add to His church. Why some churches growing and some churches not? Well, some churches are growing because they're not healthy, but they're still growing. I'll get to that in a minute. But there are churches that are doing it right that are growing. How can one church grow and one church not grow? I think there's a lot of reasons, but I do believe this. A healthy church will grow. It's not about the numbers. It's about the spirit. And a healthy church, their members will be growing. And growing members make up... A healthy church. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. Acts 6, 1 through 7. In those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in daily distribution, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, "'It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve them. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint for this duty.'" But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. It didn't take long for the church to have issues. You know why it doesn't take long for the church to have issues? Because we're part of the church. Have you ever met a perfect pastor? I've never met a perfect pastor. you ever had a perfect Sunday school class and a Sunday school teacher and a perfect worship leader? perfect youth pastor no as long as people are involved there's going to be a mess right i tell people i meet people all the time you'll be i'm a mess you know i'd love for you to come to church well you'll fit right in i can sit you right next to some people in a good way it's okay to say i'm a mess but i'm a redeemed mess and that does not that's not a bad thing. Like, oh, I'm a mess. I just keep sinning. I can't stop sinning mess. No, I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. But I'm never going to be perfect. I think sometimes we just need to, can we just do, I don't really do a whole lot of interaction. Could you just look to the person to the left or your right and remind them you're not perfect? Don't we feel better now? Now you know you're not perfect. All right? It's okay not to be perfect. It's okay to realize as a church, if you're visiting our church today and you've never been a Baptist church, this is going to come to a shock to you. Sometimes in a Baptist church, people don't get along all the time. I know that is a shock. If you're coming from the Presbyterian Methodist, I don't know how y'all work. Sometimes we have issues rise up. The early church had issues rise up. What did they do about it? They dealt with it. A need arose. Early church, you had the leaders of the church trying to do everything. How long did it take to realize that leaders of the church can't do everything? The apostles were trying to do everything. You know what we need? We need some help. Why don't we look inside the body for the help? Why don't we take people's unique giftedness and skill set and help? So they chose Stephen, man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, By the way, side note, Stephen was the first martyr for Jesus Christ and he was full of faith in the Holy Spirit. So the next time you hear somebody on TV say that you have enough faith, all things are possible, it's a lie from hell. If you just have enough faith, everything goes great. That's called the prosperity gospel and it's a lie from hell. Stephen was full of faith and a man of the Spirit. He's the first man that lost his life for Jesus Christ because he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, Proselyte of Antioch, these are the men... These they set before the apostles, they prayed, they laid hands on them and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many priests came to obedience to the faith. God was doing such a great work. The old hard dead religious people coming to know Christ. That person out there that you think will never be saved will come to know Christ when the church starts being the church. There was a need and within the need, within the body, there was a need and within the body That need was met. Nobody came in from Lifeway or Nashville, where Lifeway is. Nobody came in from the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. There was an issue. And the people came together, prayed about it, and they biblically dealt with it as a body. They understood we're in this together. My favorite Acts passage for this month it varies. I have many favorite passages in Acts. This month, Acts 11, 19, and 26. Acts 11, 19, and 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that rose over Stephen, that man full of faith in the Holy Spirit that lost his life, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word no one except the Jews, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who coming on to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. Don't be confused by, what well, should I not share the gospel with everybody? Yes, but there's two groups of people, and they ministering to their types. But the, the key is you're sharing the gospel with people you can share the gospel with. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. That would have been Acts 2 and 6, the church grew out of Jerusalem. When persecution came upon the church, individuals went and took the gospel, and the church began to grow. When the church in Jerusalem heard this, they sent Barnabas in Antioch. Verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. All is who is part of the church. All was involved with ministry. All was not a membership that that was just on a piece of paper. All was not just something we did a couple of times a year and we belonged to something because Grandma wanted me to belong to something. All is the body of Christ that is coming together and serving together and realizing, here's the great thing about it, they understood they were all the body of Christ. I think sometimes in an established church, can I just be transparent for a moment? We're a great church. We've been around a long time. I was talking to Randy today. We're, we are part, part of uh, our, our deacon ministry. You're, you're an active deacon for uh, three years, and we work you so hard, we give you a year off. But we really don't give you a year off, but we say we give you a year off. And so rolling back on, the inactive deacons, one of the things that we're doing when inactive deacons roll back on, they, they have a little pastor talk, and it's just kind of a, a, a little... A little time, I you know. So I, I met with Randy this morning. And I said, "Hey, you ready to go back on?" And of course, he hadn't missed a deacon meeting since. I didn't know he wasn't on. You ready to go back on? Because I'm ready to go back on. And I said, "Well, here, you know, here's a little vision of what we're trying to do with the deacon ministry this year. You all on, all on. Let's go." And we got talking about that. I said, "You know, Randy, you think about the men and the women that have faithfully led this church for so many years, and the ministries that have gone on in this church for so many years." And that's something to be excited about. But we're not a museum. We're not the uh, uh, historical marker on the side of the road. You know, I'm going to take a vacation one day. I'm going to stop at every one of those. I love reading them when I try to ride down the road. We're not just, oh, back in the day. I am excited about the shoulders that I am standing on. Somebody will mention this this week, me, a Milton Bass. Some of our young people would not even know who he is. But those that have been around this church a long time realize all that he did after he retired to help keep this church going. I'll proudly stand on his shoulders and continue the good fight. But I say that to say this. A lot of times when we're in a church like this and it had a long history, a lot of times the people in communion will saying, well, that's so-and-so's church. And if you're not part of this or you're not part of that, isn't that the craziest thing in the world? This is the Lord's church. I don't care how new you are to Avon Park. I don't care how old you are. I don't care when you've come to know the Lord. I don't care if you've been a member 100 years. I don't care if you've been a member two weeks. You are special, and you've got a place, and we want you to be involved, and we are all in this together. That's what's exciting to me. I'll say this. I think younger people today, when they give their life to the Lord, I don't think they want to come and sit and hear and not do anything. I think they want to do something. And I think the greatest thing that we can do as a church is give them an avenue to serve. I think the early church got that. Remain, he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and the faith, and a great many people out to the Lord. You know, there's a little a, a constant thing that's taking place in the book of Acts. People keep getting saved. When the church it becomes the church, when the church is the church, people will get saved. Well, ask yourself, are people getting saved in the church? If they're not, then the church is not being the church. There are going to be seasons. I've always said this. Wouldn't it be great every Sunday if we had a, a new committee? We're going to have a new committee starting tonight. I'm going to make a motion. Chairman of the Deacons, I'm going to make a motion. I want a wet vac committee, and every Sunday morning, the wet vac committee is going to come up here and suck all the tears out of the carpet. Because every week we're going to have revival out here. Wouldn't that be awesome? We'll have to put hard word down here so so we can mop up the tears. Well, we know that's not going to happen. It'd be great if it did. I think when a church is being the church, there's going to be a constant recognition and manifestation of the Spirit of God by seeing people saved, baptized, and serving. The Lord will add to their numbers daily. And for a whole year, they met with the church, with the church. The people of God, they met with the church and a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. I want to share with you three things from the book of Acts that is crucial for us to understand what it means to be an autonomous, self-governing church. Number one. The Church of Acts understood, first point, their location. When's the last time you prayed for Avon Park? You know, it's kind of like family. I look at it this way. Somebody can talk about my, I can talk about my family, but nobody else can. That's kind of personal. And sometimes in communities, you know, we, we think about, well, I know our community's got issues, right? Every community has issues because it's made up of people, right? But nobody else needs to talk about AP. When's the last time you prayed for your city? I wonder how many times we walk in Walmart and go, Who are these people? You know what it was like for John and Sharon to walk around Target in Minnesota? Who are these people and who let them in? When's the last time you walked in Walmart and went, Thank you, Lord, for these people? When you ride down the street and you say, Thank you, Lord, for these people. You know it's funny, I got convicted this years ago. We go on a mission trip. We pray, we prepare we get excited, we get there and we we hit the ground running and we start prayer walking and we start knocking on doors and we have a burden for those people and our desire is you know I'm going to be an indigenous missionary in here and I'm going to get to know my culture and I'm going to love on these people and we'll go on mission trips and we'll feed the hungry and we'll do medical teams in Africa and to the ends of the earth and we'll get dirty and stinky and we'll get down there on them and we'll just work and do missions and we'll come back and put the PowerPoint up and we'll show the video, and we'll talk about all that God did and how stinky and bad it was. And we'll walk through Walmart in our own city and go, who let these people in? And we wonder why the church has lost its influence in America. We need to love our city. We need to have a burden over our community Our home, our city, our region, our state, our country, and our world. We've got to love our location. We've got to use the book of Acts as our motivation and our measuring rod. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we making a difference in the city? And I'm going to go ahead and, since I've been transparent, I'll go ahead and say this too. If I get one more phone call from a ministry trying to do ministry outside the church, I'm going to scream. Now those aren't bad, but here's what makes me mad. We know the church is not having an influence. We know that. We look at our city and we think, well, we got a church here, a church there, a church here, a church here, a church there, but we're not making a difference, so we need to create more ministries. And so we've created all these parachurch ministries trying to do ministry. And and when I talk to these people, I remind them, that's not your job. It's the church's job. We're never going to see revival take place unless it starts in the church. But yet these ministries say, yes, I know, but the church isn't doing it. Isn't that convicting? These ministries aren't bad, but they're, they're trying to do what only the church can do. We don't need another ministry to get into the high schools. We don't need another ministry to get into this. We don't need another ministry to do anything. We just need to rise up and stand up and be the church. Just be the church. We don't need a a ministry in the high school, youth group, go be the church. We don't need a ministry in this. Just be the church. Now that's not saying that we shouldn't support, but do you know the point I'm trying to make there? It's the church that's only going to make a difference. But we've got to love where we are. And understand that we are not gathering to hear another message and gathering to sing another song and gathering to take up another offering. We are gathering each and every Sunday so that we can grow in our relationship with Christ so that we can go make a difference in our location, in our street, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our region, in our world. The Church of Acts got that. As they were scattered, they invested in their communities. Secondly, their leadership. This is in your bulletin. We are an autonomous body. There's no outside control. Literally, we can do whatever we want to do as a body. All it takes is a vote. But there's structure to a Southern Baptist church, and here it is. Jesus Christ is our head. Colossians 1.8, Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the source of the body, like uh, the source of a river. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 1.18, Christ is the head of the body. Christ is head of the church. So we have Christ as our head. Christ as our source. Secondly, as an autonomous Southern Baptist church, we have the body as its support. Now, you could say, well, you should have put that's a good, put the pastor right under Jesus. See, I think that's wrong in an autonomous church. I think that's wrong in a good Southern Baptist church. I'm not the head. Jesus is the head. The pastor has its place, but the body is the church. We support the church. Our membership. I, I tell you something. I don't know who created inactive church membership. When I get to heaven, I want to meet them. I know it was some Baptist guy trying to figure out what to do with somebody that never comes to church, so we created a whole different thing. An inactive church member. Now that does not mean that if you're sick or homebound or in the military or something happens that, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where did we get to a point that we thought that a member of something was something that you're not involved with for 20, 30 in 40 years it just doesn't make sense just even logically that makes no sense you know what you I got I I got reprimanded for the rotary for missing two weeks anybody ever been involved with rotary you miss two weeks and go in there and you almost feel embarrassed you're like oh my goodness I missed two weeks sorry now I had perfect attendance one year but church is different A church we can miss 15 years and walk in here and go, well, if they don't speak to me, I may not come back in another 15 years. I asked somebody to fill out a visitor card one time, and they got insulted because I was a church member's daughter, and I said, listen, I've been here. Of course, it would be one of those things Sharon's like, you should never have said that. Hey, hey! happy Easter. Glad you're with us today. Would you mind filling out a visitor's card? Do you know who I am? I do not know who you are, and I've been here five years, and I never met you. Well, I'm so-and-so's daughter. Glad to meet you. Could you still fill out a business card? Pastor, that offended them. Not near as bad as Jesus Christ has been offended for the last 30 years. I'm working on that. Pray for your pastor. I was sharing with Aaron. And I apologize for talking during this singing. I always try to let Joy know when I'm misbehaving, and there's a reason behind it. I was sharing with one of the deacons, and something came up, and I said something about I remember being, a, when I was a young pastor, Easter came and the place was full. And I got mad. It was probably one of my first Easter. I got mad. Sharon can remember that. So I got up there and was mad. And I preached like I was mad the entire Easter. And the deacon said, Jim Pitzer said this, he said, why are you so mad? Because they don't come all the time. He said, can you not be happy they're just here today? That very much convicted me. But you have to understand, I'm the one that sees your pretty face every week. I want to know where that little blue hole is this week right there. I love active church membership. You know why? When I'm going to church and I love going to church, my spiritual life is so much better. When I belong to a church and never go, it is not a pretty sight. I think it's a mentality we've got to begin to have. That Jesus Christ is our head, but we are the church. We're literally bringing recommendations to the church. When when I'm voted in, I was voted in twice. I had people tell me, how do you get voted in a Baptist church twice? I said, well, the numbers keep getting lower. I don't need to do this again. (laughs) Somebody said, well, gosh, that doesn't sound fair. What if somebody shows up that doesn't know what's going on? That's just it. I like that. That to me is great accountability and a great reason to have servanthood to fellowship that we're training up people what it means to be a church. We've got recommendations, we're bringing a budget tonight, we're bringing recommendations, we're doing some neat things around here, and it's been four or five, ten of us meeting behind the scenes because that's how you do it. And somebody said, well, Hey, do you ever get nervous bringing a recommendation for the church? Never, because we are the body. Jesus is our head. Our our congregation and body is our support. The church understood this leadership. We're pastor, elder, staff led. Elder is in the Bible. There's two things you can do with it. You either have a plurality of elders or you have a single elder. Historically, Southern Baptist churches have had more. It depends on where you look in the time frame. Predominantly today, We have one elder, that's your senior pastor. Some churches have plurality of elders. It it doesn't matter. The elder is leading the church under the the lordship of Christ and the support of the congregation. My favorite title for myself is pastor, shepherd. Somebody told me years ago, we got to call you something. What do you want that to be? I don't like reverend. That's too stuffy. John would be okay, but then it offends people, so we got to put something clerical in there. Pastor. You know what a pastor is? A shepherd. I like that because I like people. Do you know that one day, Hebrews talks about this, do you know that one day I am going to stand before Jesus Christ and I am going to give a detailed account of how I led his sheep. He's going to know my motives. He's going to know my heart. He's going to know my desire. But do you know what else is going to happen according to Hebrews? We will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and give an account of how we followed our pastor. Now, I will say this. I've only had a handful of people that in my flesh I wanted to be there when they stood before Jesus and give an account. And I know this isn't very spiritual. There's a couple of church members I've had in my life. I just nicknamed them thorn in the flesh. Now, it'd be real easy to say, one day they're going to give an account for that. Yeah, they're going to give an account for that, but so will I. I have been a blessed pastor because the majority of times in my ministry, I've had the greatest church. I I brag on you all often. It's pastor-led. We call a pastor, we examine a pastor, and we allow a pastor to lead. A Southern Baptist church is deacon-served. Deacon means serving. We, we serve. We have faithful men that serve. Some behind the scenes you'll never know. Some are more visible based on what they're doing. But we've got faithful men that serve this church and love this church. Somebody said, well, wh- what do you mean about you're your interviewing Randy? Lord, he's been a deacon forever and he's chairman of deacon. Well, yeah. It's not an interview. You're a three-year deacon, you take a year off. I meet with the deacon and we talk about the ministries and expectations and joy. How can I pray for you? What are we doing? Are you excited about coming back on? Here's our philosophy for this deacon year, and then that deacon meets with our deacons and they affirm that, and then you affirm. You know, how many times have you got to affirm two two of our deacons I'm off the top of my head, Curtis and Randy? How many times have you got to affirm Curtis and Randy? I think they're pretty faithful. Don't you believe that? Men that understand. What it is to be a servant. You don't see that very often. We don't serve because of our title. We don't demand leadership. You don't demand fellowship. You earn it. And I rejoice that we have a church, a local governing body, that men within our church are serving one another for the glory of God. And then we're ministry driven. I mean, we, we don't get numbers at the end of the year and say, oh, well, we're not, we're not doing enough. What do we need to do? We don't call 1-800-Southern-Baptist-Church and they fly down a new program and a new people. Our ministries drive our church. You drive our church. Your giftedness, your uniqueness, your passion, your call, your desire. Everybody doing their part. For God's glory and His kingdom. So we have uh, their location, our location, their leadership. We have our leadership. Notice their loyalty. And we'll end on this. Notice their loyalty. As you read the church of Acts, there's this constant loyalty that you see there. Christ. It's always about Jesus Christ to them. It ought to always be about Jesus Christ to us. Secondly, they loved their church. Have you ever noticed how loyalty has changed lately? How many of you will drive by five gas stations to save a a penny? And I like this guy, but, oh, I can save a penny down here. We don't just go to the same store because we just appreciate the service and we appreciate them. We can go in the store one time and it'd be too hot or too cold and we'll go somewhere else. Do you know what's happening in our world today? We have become a church that when somebody walks in our doors, we say, what will it take for you to stay? What will it take to keep you as an active church member? And we've bought into it. My philosophy of that has always been this. You've got to do what you know you need to be doing and do it the right way. Could you imagine if Joy and I said, okay, this service, let's try to be southern gospel Okay, two weeks in a row, that didn't work. Next week, we're going to have the tambourine girls out. Okay, that didn't work. Next week, spike your hair, untuck your shirt, wear flip-flops, and drink Perrier water while you preach. Okay, that didn't work. You know how discouraging, you know, never and then you just got to step back and you got to say, this is who we are. This is what we do and we're going to do it well. I don't know how hip I am. I don't know how hip I'm not. It depends on who you ask. I think I'm pretty hip. Some of y'all look at me like, hey, not hip. <laughs> but I am what I am and I want to be the best that I can be. I want to preach the word, I want to sing the word, I want to live the word, I want to be the word. We have beautiful facilities. We'd be crazy not to realize that we have a beautiful place to worship that is going to be more traditional and there's some elegance and there's some beauty to it. And I know the blinds are up, some have them down. We're not talking about whether the blinds are up and down. We're talking about the beauty of our sanctuary. This is who we are. If we come in here and plank the walls black and take everything out of here and go with the go-go girls and me and flip-flops, we've lost it. We're not competing with anybody else. I don't care what everybody else is doing. I'm not Joel Osteen. I'm not John MacArthur. I'm just John the Baptist. Love your church for who we are. You love your church because the church is made up of people. Love your people. My desire has always been to be a multi-generational church. If I want to target young people, then we, you know that's not we want to target old, I don't do that. Just we want to just reach people with the gospel. They love Christ, they were loyal to their church, third, they were loyal to one another, fourth, they were loyal to their mission, last, they were loyal to their ministries. Do you love your church? Do you love one another? I've always said this. We have a beautiful building, but it is the most awkward building I've ever been part of when it comes to interaction. If you go to Sunday school over here, you come in this door and you sit over here. And then you get up and you go out that door. If you come in from the parking lot, you come in that door and you sit here. And you get up and you leave there. If you go to adult five, you go in the parking lot, you go in the side door and you sit in the back and you go there. They're they're closer to the rapture. If you've got a young person, you come in from the nursery, you come in from this door and you sit here. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just got up and, you know, one Sunday we're going to do this. It would be so chaotic. During the hymn of family worship, we're going to do a assigned seating. And everybody just needs to get up and move around. I would never be able to preach because y'all would be just so... Some of y'all sitting here and you're going, I didn't even know we had a balcony. Some of the balcony people go, I didn't even know those people were down there. <laughs> I guarantee you there are people that are sitting under the balcony right now that people in the balcony have never laid eyes on and vice versa. <laughs> now that's a problem, isn't it? It could be. Love one another. I want to encourage you to do something. If you're not part of a small group and you're not coming to Sunday school, love one another enough. There's no re- There's not a biblical reason that anybody could tell me I don't want to be part of Sunday school. That's the life of our church. Studying with one another, crying with one another, laughing with one another, Doing life with one another. We have a Sunday night service. You know who the Sunday night service is for? Can I tell you my story since I've already gone out on this little trail? I started pastoring at Bethel Baptist in Indiana. There 10 years. I got there one Sunday morning. I got voted in by 30 people. That's a big church, wasn't it? Got voted in by thirty people. Hey, thirty people had one no. Little kid liked the interim. That was my no vote. I never let him forget it. We had church that night. Ten showed up. Deacons and I met right after that. It was a scheduled deacons meeting. I never said the true story. I said we're canceling Sunday night. I said we're either going to do Sunday night as a regular. It's not an option. It's not Sunday morning. It, 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 this is what we do. I mean, it's like Sunday night is, is just another time to gather. It's not 1A, 2A, 3C, pick your pit, point. We're either doing Sunday night or not doing it at all. We're either doing Sunday school or we're not doing it at all. We're doing whatever we do, we do because that's who we are and that's what we do. You want to talk about hearing a pin drop in a deacon's meeting? They said "You're exactly right, so you know what we began to do? We made a big deal out of Sunday night. You know how many people started showing up on Sunday night? The church started showing up on Sunday night. I just think that's important because we love one another. and sometimes I think about this and I, I know this I know we got different things going on. when you're not here, you're missing an opportunity to encourage someone else. When you're not here, you're missing an opportunity to you to pray for somebody, to encourage somebody. When you miss Sunday school because you're running behind, that's understandable. But when you just are not involved, and you're you're missing an opportunity for you to you're missing an opportunity to be a Barnabas and invest in the life of others. Whatever we make a big deal of will be a big deal. Wouldn't that be kind of neat for us to have the reputation in town? I don't know what y'all are doing, but it's a big deal. Y'all don't worry about what other churches are doing. Y'all don't worry about it, whatever. Y'all not flowing up and down with the trends. Y'all just know what you're doing. You know why you're doing it. You're excited about doing it. And everything you do, you do with all excellence. I don't know what's going on it's a pretty big deal. That'sn't that a great testimony. And the Lord added to their numbers daily. I believe the Lord wants to add to our numbers daily. We're an autonomous church filled with blood-bought redeemed people living life together. We're unique, we're different. But we're special, and we're all children of God. We don't have big brother over there watching us, telling us what to do. It's just us. We're in this together as the body of Christ. And I'll tell you this. I don't have another place I'd want to be than be with you. And to make a difference in Avon Park doing away with all the stuff the world tries to discourage us about and sticking to the gospel and sharing our faith and investing in the lives of others, living sacrificially as we serve and penetrating darkness with the message of Jesus Christ. The early church, they were all in. Are we going to be all in? Let's stand as we pray.